Is this a party or what? This the big bad sound. Take it out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Wega Link. In today's episode, we're talking about being queer in the Bahamas and the sexuality spectrum. We're going to be talking about misconceptions of sexuality and gender, the Bahamian don't ask, don't tell policy, and cultural perceptions of queerness in the Bahamas. Today, we want to highlight some queer advocacy and empowerment organizations such as Equality Bahamas, the Bahamas LGBT Equality Advocates, and Bahamas Organization of LGBTI Affairs. These organizations are all doing important work to support and uplift queer Bahamians, so please turn to them to support the efforts or if you are in need of resources as either a queer person or an ally. So in the Bahamas, there's generally a culture of don't ask, don't tell. We witness queer people being queer, but we don't ask about it. We don't come out of the closet. And I think that this is something that's quite harmful to both queer people and straight people, honestly. Um, So Celine, I wanted to, I don't want this to be like an interview, but like (laughs) when you, like growing up at home, um back home did you ever have any conversations with like your family about what it means to be queer or like have you ever overheard any conversations or like what was your exposure growing up to um to queerness well I definitely grew up in a very um heteronormative household where it was just presumed that everyone in the home is heterosexual growing up in a two-parent Um, male and female household with um, an older brother and then me I feel like well one I never really had like any sort of like sex talk period in my home and I think that is something that could have also been useful to go alongside like a conversation about sexuality and gender because I think it's the assumption that everyone's sexuality is the same everyone's heterosexual right I think that prevents any sort of possibility of me having any information on what my sexuality could have been other than being heterosexual. I mean, knowing who I am today, I do identify as a heterosexual um, woman, but I think if they're like, I don't know, I just think that it would have been useful educational wise and like just to know more about my society if that was a conversation that I had with my parents. Yeah, I also never had a conversation really about, like, sex. Not even straight sex. So it's like, okay, if I was straight and having sex, I would not know what I'm doing or how to be safe about it, other than what we learned in, like, grade six, which was nothing. Exactly. (laughs) And then I think that school systems as well are really failing um, the kids on educating about sexuality and gender, because I think a lot Mm. of people have these questions and concerns and especially during like such a pivotal period in your adolescence where you're trying to figure out who you are as a person and I think having conversations about sexuality and gender would really help in that journey and I don't know I guess provide reassurance that whatever questions that you have are okay yeah definitely so I guess going off of the fact that there are huge misconceptions about sexuality and gender as a result of like 
the lack of education and conversations within families. I wanted to just do a brief rundown of the differences between sexuality and gender. Mm-hmm. So just to make it quick, you know, sexual orientation is essentially who a person is sexually attracted to while their gender identity is like their sense of self in relation to gender, which is commonly accepted as a social construct. Um, I I get into all of that, but basically like gender is actually so fake. And sometimes I just yeah. think about it. And I'm, so as a, like, even being like, a teen, when you learn how gender is merely just a performance to other people and yeah. like, a lot of it is just like constructed by our perceived ideas of what it means to present as a man or a woman and I think that it's just like fascinating mm-hmm. and gender rules so much of our lives like especially back home I think we have such a gendered society like we make everything so strict there is there's not a lot of room for exploration or for presenting yourself in a way that um is outside of what Bahamians perceive to be like woman womanish and Mm -hmm. you know masculine and I think it's so, so harmful and probably one of the reasons why the Bahamas have such like a toxic um um I don't know how to I think it's probably one of the reasons why we have so much crime, so many instances of young girls like raising kids by themselves and abuse, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, homophobia, all of these things are very much rooted in like lack of education and talking about these things. Um, But yes, oh, there's also a difference between like one's gender identity and their gender expression, Um, like how a person presents themselves their style, their actions, their demeanor, et cetera, are all parts of their gender expression. Um, so when talking about someone's gender identity, it's someone can be transgender, um, cisgender, non-binary, et cetera. Um, and transgender is essentially like anybody who does not identify as a gender or the sex that they were assigned at birth. Um, and like for me, for example, that's something that I didn't even learn until I left home and like not that I didn't know I'm like I'm I was aware of these things I remember being I remember actually what prompted me to come out to my family was having an argument with my mom about Caitlyn Jenner mm-hmm. and how it's not a bad thing to be like what I was watching Caitlyn Jenner's show and my younger brother was in the room and my mommy was like oh my gosh like you shouldn't be exposing your brother to this like he's gonna become this and that and I'm like I'm just trying to watch tv like what's the big deal like this is just a transgender person like it's really not even not even that deep so I was like 14 and I don't recall ever having explicit discussions about any of that with anybody but also I think I had just like figured out that I'm gay at that point so I was just like okay what the fuck do you want to talk about when you like when you came out and like your experience with it yeah so so like I said that prompted this argue this argument with my mom and her boyfriend at the time, it was actually really heated because they were both just yelling at me. They were like, "You should not be entertaining this like transgender bullshit, like, or exposing your brother to this." And I was just like, "What are you even talking about? Like, my young my younger brother watching a trans person on TV is not gonna make him gay. Like, that's literally not how it works. Like, that's right. just dumb." 
Um, but for me, I, oh my gosh, my coming out story is so funny. So I was basically straight until I was like 14 and a half or like, I was straight until I was 15. And then I joined Tumblr and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, all this gay stuff. And I watched um, a gay movie called Blue is the Warmest Color, which is basically like lesbian porn. Mm-hmm. Um, I should not have been watching that when I was 15, to be honest. But um, I watched that and then I was like, wow, my eyes are open. And then I found this other gay web series called Carmilla that I, I just knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> that literally made me gay. Like, I... Oh, I was obsessed with that show and I was like wow yeah I like girls mm-hmm. <laughs> which is actually so interesting because to think about it I'm like okay if I had ne- if I had never joined Tumblr at that time would I have just continued to be straight I never questioned my sexuality growing up I never thought that I could not be straight it was just everyone's straight I have a boy I had several boyfriends like throughout middle school mm-hmm. like I was just like, yes, like, you know, this is just what we do. Okay. So if I had never exposed myself to to queer media, Mm -hmm. would I have realized, I mean, I'm sure I would have realized, but it probably would have taken me another two or three years to be fully comfortable, especially because I I think that period between 14, 17 is when you really start to figure out, you know, your attraction to other people and whatever. Um, but I, I, I realized, you know, I kind of like girls. So I was like, okay, I'm bisexual. Yes. And I was up. So after I had the argument with my parents, that same night, I, not my parents, with my yeah, mom. That, like, same, <laughs> <laughs> that same night, actually, my older brother had made a joke to me and he asked me if I'm a rug muncher. I was like, Oh what my is a rug muncher right why are you at, like why are you asking you know, about that you're not a child but like yeah it's kind of weird but he was like are you a rug muncher I was like what and then I looked it up and I was like oh my gosh maybe <laughs> <laughs> so then I told him he was like oh I was joking I was like well I'm not and he was like oh wow did you tell mommy and daddy and whatever I was like mm, no so then I was just freaking out and I wrote like a long paragraph and then I sent it to y'all in the group chat. And then I also sent it to my parents. And my dad literally replied with, okay, and a thumbs up. And, a thumbs up. and my mom was like, oh my God, what do you mean you're gay? Like, what, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that prompted like a whole thing for years of just like, I do not want this for my child. Like, you cannot be gay. Like, what are you even talking about? I was just like, whatever. So it was never to the point for me, thankfully, where I felt unsafe or, um, you know, di- um, diminished or whatever for my sexuality. I mean, I was not fully accepted by one of my parents, but it was just something that I ignored honestly because I don't know I guess this is the kind of person I am I'm like okay this is literally who I am and I actually don't care about what you think about it um so yeah that's how it came out and then I was like yes I'm bi and I never actually came out as like not being bi because I actually am not not like I don't like men um but I 
I feel like coming out is just a very unnecessary thing to a large extent. It's just like, you know, made up by straight people. So I'm I'm not coming out anymore. If you know, you know, just look at me. It's actually very obvious. So, but <laughs> a lot of people look at me and don't know I'm straight, apparently, don't know I'm gay, apparently. So, which is weird to me. I feel like I radiate gay energy vibes. Right? So, <clears throat> I remember actually, I actually remember very clearly when you messaged our group chat and you came out. And I remember when you came out as bi, and I was like, bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you mean? You were like, what's that? Or you were like, no, I was like, mm, I don't think you're interested in men, but okay. <laughs> oh my God, really? Why'd you, why'd you think that? I don't know. I feel like. So I don't know we had known each other for so long and we had spent so much time together that I don't know you kind of just it's not that you know because I'm not your parent but like I don't know I just kind of had an inkling but I was like you know what I'll let her figure that out for herself that's not my <laughs> <laughs> so like at that point despite like being young and not being not having like a lot of because I watched Carmilla too but um because you made me watch you watched it. Carmilla you made me watch it oh but you didn't watch all three all all of the seasons oh no you really i watched like half of the first one and you're like this is shit no i think i watched one season because you told me to watch it but um okay. yeah i don't i was just like because at that point i feel like obviously we didn't have a lot of information like through parents or through school on like sexuality so you did have to go to like other places and at that point i was just like well if this is um this is still alicia nothing has changed so I mean, Period. you know, who am I to not support my friend? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I actually don't know how I didn't know I was gay earlier because I had such a huge crush on one of our teachers who actually I was thinking about it yesterday and I'm like, I don't know why I had a crush on this person. Like, she's literally ugly. Let me stop. Wait. You know who. I ain't even gonna say it was the only freaking gay teacher we had, huh? Yes. <laughs> you called her shoes ugly. <laughs> I, was, I like crushed on her so hard and she like smelled like male cologne. I was like, oh my god, this is so sexy. That's um, so interesting. But like looking back on it, I'm like just literally like not she was not cute and she was short. Not cute, very short. But I was just like, oh my god, you're gay. I love you. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think that was what it was for me. It was like gay envy because I was like you know what I know I I can feel that you're gay and that you know you're gay and like you're open Mm -hmm. as open as you can be but anyways (laughs) yes I think for me having you know having y'all as friends that were supportive you know really meant a lot to me and if I didn't have that and I had only just come out to my parents and had like a mixed response I guess it probably would have had much like a much more difficult experience but for me, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really made it a big deal. It's just like, okay, I'm gay. Like, if you have a problem, just don't talk to me. Like, I literally don't care. Yeah, I feel like, um, you can, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was a certain point on, like, online and in social media where there was, like, a coming out, like, trend where, like, mm-hmm. every, it seemed like every other week someone was coming out. And I don't know if that's because of the whole thing where, like, straight people kind of normalized or required um people to come out for them in a way where I was like where it could have just been like a you know this is who I am blah 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 blah. but then it had to be kind of like a whole 
Okay. A whole thing. Yeah. Do you mean for like celebrities and YouTube, like YouTube people and yeah. stuff? I definitely remember when a lot of YouTubers started to make coming out videos and all of this stuff. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Wait, when? What? Per- what time period was that? Like I was around like Connor Franter, Connor Franter, <laughs> Connor Franter era. I literally cannot talk. That was around the Connor Franta era. There we go. Okay, yeah, I remember that. I think it was one of, of one of like the first of these big YouTubers to like come out as gay because mm-hmm. there were the ones that were like openly gay, but then there were some who, you know, I guess were um, not openly gay. I was gonna say in the closet, but I feel like that's kind of like problematic. Now so- that I think about it. And then going off of your um, coming out story as well, do you think that um, like queer media and having like queer representation in film, TV, all of that stuff, do you think that that helps a lot with um, like gender identity, sexual sexuality, stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I think if I had not exposed myself to that media at the age that I did, I would have never thought to even consider myself um not being straight and I think it's interesting like when people make the argument of like oh we should show queer queerness to our kids it's gonna make them gay or whatever but it's like they're gonna see it at some point in their life no matter what and also demonizing people like why are you just demon you know demonizing these people in media like queer people are people that exist so if they don't see them in media, they will see them in real life at some point anyway. But all that does, especially in the Bahamas, when we have such an aversion to like to showing queer people in the public and we rather keep it as something that's like hidden and secret because we see it as a distasteful, nasty thing. Like all that does is continue to, you know, keep um, keep queer people hidden and like probably lead to a lot of like mental health issues within the queer community and lead people to um have to re- suppress themselves I can imagine especially I can being a trans person in the Bahamas I think would be yeah. especially difficult I think for certain groups of gay people in the Bahamas it's less difficult I think for like masculine presenting gay women it's quite not that it's easy but for some reason Bahamian people accept um like masculine presenting queer women it's just like like they just see them as men in a way or I don't know, I don't know what that's about, but um, it seems like there's a, a a larger number of like openly like gay masculine presenting women, and then obviously there are like non-masculine presenting women who are gay, and you you just probably cannot like can't tell that they're gay, which is also something that's like what what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but for gay men, I think just generally it's a very like difficult experience. Um just because of you know the way we talk about like we were we were going to touch on this later but the saying like I don't like man and he was a sissy and everybody everybody is a sissy if they you know doing something wrong use a sissy and whatever I definitely think that that like applies to men more than it does to women um but back to media I think it's very important to have representation in media like not only for sexuality but just for anything like any any aspect of one's identity just to be able to see 
um, yourself and other people or to consider new possibilities for yourself because obviously if you're only exposed to straight people um, both in your real life and in media you would or I, I don't think I would have ever had the thought to consider myself as anything but straight um, or cisgender or whatever um, so I wish that we had more acceptance of queer people in in real life in the Bahamas and that would hopefully translate into Bahamian media and um, you know popular culture and whatever I think one of the one of the biggest reasons why we have such little representation of queer people in the Bahamas is just um, because of the like negative cultural perception that we have of sexuality and gender um, and it's like related to this don't ask don't tell culture but we just have a very homophobic and transphobic society as a result of um you know colonialism british colonial legacy we love that as always um, i like at the end of the day the real villain is always colonialism like literally yeah <laughs> colonialism and just homophobia within the church the church is a very um big thing in the bahamas i think like the vast majority of bahamians are would consider themselves to be like you know I wouldn't say devout Christians, but, you know, Christ serious Christians to, to the point where they would, like, take in the homophobia that it, that they are taught in the church and in their community and see that as something that is, like, um, you know, okay or that God is against. Mm -hmm. um, so and how do you think that colonialism has directly impacted um, like the cultural perception of sexuality and gender in the Bahamas? To be honest, well, I mean, I haven't done much like reading or like research about this, but, um, you know, I think it would probably, I think it's the same as in other um, former British colonies, like in India, for example, how in their like, in, in Indian culture, they're is like natively an acceptance of queer people, of gender queer people, of like non-heterosexual people, et cetera. But with colonization and the replacement of certain like Indian norms with like white European um, Christian norms, um, I don't know why why were white col British colonizers so homophobic like what's that about well I definitely think it's just a religion I think it's just a really a religion thing or I agree I think it's probably based in a religion where that is like anything other than man and woman is seen as a sin um especially and I think that even goes to cultures that had like um societies that had more than one wife in a household or something like that where mm -hmm. it's like anything other than like a two-person intimate relationship yeah. that is between a man and a woman is seen as backwards or something like that so I think maybe that is something that we inherited from them in that way because mm -hmm. I think I mean I've especially recently I've been made aware of how well not made aware but the church community can be very toxic especially in the Bahamas and in the black community and I think that the church has fostered in a lot of people a hatred and like what is it intolerance 
mm-hmm. intolerance for anything other than what they perceive as the norm, which is so mm-hmm. unfortunate because you think that, or you, not you think, but religion and where how I view Christianity is com- the complete opposite. It's not like, like the fact that people and like individual humans feel like they have the ju- the right to judge others on their lives and how they live their lives is just so stupid to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the church has become such a harmful place for a lot of people because the church is also where a lot of people go through like conversion therapy and stuff like that, where they think that um, being gay is something that you can pray away or something like that. And I've heard a mm-hmm. lot of stories of people that like internalize that and in turn become hateful to other gay people because they're suppressing something within themselves. And I think in the Bahamas, the church is also a very like protective place of 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 like bigoted people, of abusers. Um, in the Bahamas, we've had many instances of of pastors and priests who um, are exposed for abusing young people often they are gay themselves yeah which is extremely odd they've probably experienced this same like self-hatred and um like brainwashing which is just very sad because it's just a never-ending cycle of like abuse and um intolerance and persecution and that um just breeds itself in more and more homophobia and and transphobia and I think in the Bahamas like we do not have many um no how do I say this like it's not that every day we have a new case of like you know someone's been stoned or they've been beaten on the street or something like that but we have had um you know instances of brutality towards queer people in the Bahamas and I think it's really interesting to see the like reaction that people have to that mm-hmm. um it's kind of sometimes like a weird split um yeah what do you think I think often it's like from a place of disbelief like they can't believe that something like that is happening in the Bahamas but it's so plausible oh. because of how people how like because of the casual homophobia in our um society like like you were saying where everyone's like oh I don't like man and blah 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 blah, every other minute in conversation because they've Mm -hmm. made homophobia such a casual thing they can't like conceive of the fact that some something like that can turn very violent and I think often maybe it's stuff that goes unreported as well just because of the fact that a lot of these people aren't out um because they don't feel safe at all and then they're met with violence and then can't even go to the police or to the media because they'll just mm-hmm. be met with more backlash. So, which is mm-hmm. so unfortunate because I think that we spoke about this in our last episode about how Bahamian society is very much like a collective society, but it's almost to the extent, and I think sometimes we're collective to a fault where we've now ostracized this huge community of people that don't feel comfortable to live their lives and like be fully who they are because of the potential to be met with like hey yeah I think I agree and I think what you touched on about homophobia and transphobia being taken as jokes in Bahamian society is actually something that's that's very very harmful I remember having conversations with people in in high school um like confronting them about 
saying stuff like I don't like man or calling people a sissy jokingly all the time right and they're like oh you know I don't even mean it like that it's nothing like it's just it's just a joke like this is just what we say this is just normal this is Bahamian you know this is how we joke around with each other but I'm these words actually have meaning and you know for someone who is actually gay or um for someone who's actually queer hearing someone say I don't like man five times a day when it's not even relevant it's like why why do you feel the need to remind everybody that you don't like man every few minutes and why are you you know calling someone a sissy when they do something that rubs you the wrong way um but I think the like yeah the normalization and like acceptance of homophobia is 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 very very um stifling I guess to development in in, in the Bahamas for to development of LGBTQ plus equality in the Bahamas I think something even as simple as having pronouns in people's social media platforms or email signatures something like that I I recently um encountered for the first time a Bahamian who includes the uh, pronouns in their email signature and he put a a link he's a cis man but he put he put his pronouns and then he attached a link underneath to like why this is important and it just it talks about like why it is important to um you know make your pronouns clear etc and I had a conversation with my mom and some friends about this and I definitely think that doing that in the Bahamas is something that would be seen as as weird as like if someone was to see me put my pronouns in their bio it's it's odd that they would not even think to be like oh yeah that's normal like everybody has pronouns that they prefer to be referred to with Mm -hmm. um you know having pronouns or or pronounce what's the word um like to make clear you know your pronouns or stating I guess stating your pronouns (laughs) I don't even know what I'm, what word I'm thinking of, but like stating your pronouns does not make you gay or m- suggest that you are trans or anything. It it it's simply to make people aware of, of how to refer to you. Yeah. Um, but I think because we back home we don't even think about like not identifying like not being cisgender. It's like you're a girl. It's like you look like a woman, of course you're a she. Like you look like a man, of right. course you're a he. Like what are you even talking about? What's all this pronoun stuff? What's the other option? Like it's she and he. It's man and woman. So it's like obviously if we were to if if a significant amount of people I think were to begin to um disclose their pronouns more and and see that as something that is just normal. Um, that would change that mentality but I think like transphobia in the Bahamas is so that we don't even think about it like we just completely silence the possibility of being trans or just having an experience outside of being cis and heterosexual so um yeah I think it's it's really really interesting that these things are just taken as a joke like we don't really take we don't take a lot of things seriously like even like you said when it comes to violence it's like oh my god like how could this have happened like but let's not do anything about it like yeah which is I think it's definitely 
I think it comes from a place of like a lack of knowledge, which is not an excuse. Um, but I had a question about pronouns because I feel like I'm still even um, like navigating the importance of like having your pronouns and things. So I have it on my social media platform, but mm-hmm. um, are pronouns also related to like gender expression, like in terms of like feminine, masculine or no? Yeah, that's something that I've also been learning about recently is that someone's pronouns, what I've read, and this is like completely things that I've read on Twitter, um, (laughs) is that like people's pronouns actually do not even always like reflect their gender identity. Like, for example, um, how do I put this? Anyways, like, no, I don't think that people's pronouns, like, have to reflect their gender expression. Like, for example, um, yeah, like, just take myself, for example, like, I, I use she, her pronouns, just because, like, for me, personally, I feel like, um, I can be myself and like not give a shit about what pronouns people use to refer to me. Like, I know that I don't feel comfortable. Um, no, I, I do not feel uncomfortable being referred to as she, her. However, I do not like entirely feel like I fit into like what is commonly accepted as like a woman. But I think that like to, how do I even word it? I'm like, I, I think that gen- because because I see gender as something that is just so fake, I'm like, okay, people are going to see me and perceive me as a woman and call me she, her, even though sometimes I present myself in a more masculine way or I feel more, like, more masculine, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Because, like, all this is literally fake anyway. Like, I'm just myself. Yeah. So no matter what people refer to me as, I'm still just going to be myself. And I can be, I can be Alicia if I use she, her pronouns, if I use they, them pronouns or any form of neo pronouns, like anything. Right. But like, I, I can use she, her pronouns and present in an extremely masculine way and still want people to refer to me as she, her. So like, there's, I I don't think that there's like a, a connection between like people's um like pronoun use and like gender expression because also like if I wanted to tomorrow I could be like okay I would like to be referred to as like he him and like still present myself in a feminine way Mm -hmm. but I think like at the end of the day gender expression is still something that is so like binary and so fake because what does it mean to present yourself in a feminine or masculine or androgynous way like I'm just wearing clothes. Yeah. I, and just breathing and walking and speaking. So I think honestly, all of this has become a lot clearer moving away from home and just becoming more educated on these um, topics, but also just learning how um, flimsy the gender bi- binary is and how, like, mm-hmm. every day you're navigating between this binary that really doesn't exist and has no real imposition and like authority over our lives but because of the patriarchy that like patriarchal society that we live in it's just been privileged to have to like fit into these categories when we know for a fact that 
all human being like no human being fits um rigidly within a binary like opposition like it's dumb but we move mm-hmm. um but then I was also just thinking just um like for example in my essays when I'm writing um when I'm talking about someone I usually will use the pronouns they them because I don't know how they identify so I find that that's the safer road to go and I've just changed that I think probably since like first year I've been doing that and I've had a couple people be like oh refer to them as blah 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 but I'm like and I've literally had an instance where I read this I was doing an essay on queer theory and the author of the book um their name is Jack Halberstam so as of like writing that essay Jack he identifies now as um he his though they were assigned um female at birth so instances like that you never know because initially the book was under Judith so I was like okay let me google this stuff but as an academic I think it's really important to also normalize the use of maybe not defaulting to she her or he him when you think that someone is um male or female because you never really know like how they identify Mm -hmm. in terms of their gender I don't know I also (laughs) just think that it's important to have conversations like this in your circle of friends but I also wonder if people who are just cisgender heterosexual even have these conversations Mm. I wonder that too if they don't have like a a queer friend I would guess that at least for a lot of Bahamians they do not have these conversations I would honestly think that like a lot of especially like older Bahamians could have definitely gone their whole life without having these conversations having a conversation like this or questioning their own sexuality or gender or anything Mm -hmm. like that just because it's like okay you you need to be straight and reproduce and that is the most important thing and your gender and sexuality are reduced to your genitals and that's all you need to know if you have a vagina you are a woman and if you're a woman you like men and that's what you are yeah I just think it's interesting how fragile a lot of people's sexualities are where they constantly feel they have to like I don't know reaffirm their sexuality in front of complete strangers it's like god like relax through through homophobia yeah and transphobia like yeah you are like literally you are going to like enact violence on other communities like even though you're not you may not be directly enacting violence in those communities but even like using those words is a form of violence like even just within your circle of straight friends I definitely call it out when I hear it in my circles especially at home if I hear it within family conversations or anything like that like that Mm -hmm. shit is not it's that's just not cute I don't and it's I just think it's it's I don't know how you think you can get away with that in front of my face um and I think it's sorry but I think they think they can get away with it because I'm like cisgender heterosexual like I think they're like oh well Celine's not going to say anything because she's not queer so it doesn't affect her but yeah it does and if you say something are you gay yeah exactly it's like if I'm defending somebody it's like they now are questioning my sexuality and I'm like okay go not because I don't I have nothing to prove to you so yeah it's getting weird they like people are so up and people like in people's bedroom and what they do in and I'm like y'all are like concerned about every single person except for yourself like I don't know 
I wonder if we'll ever get to a point in the Bahamas where we don't use the word pussy as an insult. I don't think I, well, I, I, I feel like people really underestimate how conservative um, the Bahamas is because mm-hmm. the thought of, no, the answer is no, because the patriarchy is so entrenched in our society to the point where like women don't even have rights. So I'm like, we, yeah. it's not. I, I think Bahamas have kind of accepted to see like, or believe that sissy now has been kind of removed from the meaning of like gay and it's just like a synonym to like stupid or like whatever like it's just another insult like it don't even mean all of that like I'm not being homophobic at like it's just a word that we use but it's like yeah but they can't have meaning and or people can't reclaim um slurs or negative exactly or use against the queer community that's not your place yeah so yeah but I agree I don't think we'll ever get past that that So reflecting on the state of homophobia and transphobia in the Bahamas is unfortunately something that for me as a queer person myself um, discourages me from moving back home. It leads me to hide a big part of my identity, which is something that I just do not feel comfortable with. Um, And for example, when bringing my partner back home with me, we had to pretend like we're best friends. And that's something that is kind of like just emotion like just emotionally taxing and although it's something that I can just think about and be like oh whatever it's fine after a while it's like okay like I can't even hold my girl hand like what do y'all want me to do like it's really it's not even that deep but reflecting on all of this makes me realize how important it is for people to have these conversations within their circles especially like Celine said people who are cisgender and straight because this is um, I think like the main way that we are going, that we can overcome homophobia and transphobia in our society. But I also want to take the opportunity to go back to the queer organizations that we highlighted in the beginning, such as Equality Bahamas. They do lots of like online webinars and social media campaigns. Uh, BLEA, which is Bahamas LGBT Equality Advocates and uh, the Bahamas Organization of LGBTI Affairs. They all have like Facebook pages and Instagram pages and I just think it's really important to highlight these organizations you know they do exist there are queer Bahamians queer organizers that are putting in the work to advance our society and I think that unfortunately they don't get the recognition that they deserve but that's what we're here for that's what I'm here for we like to support these organizations and make their presence known in our society and hopefully one day things will be tamed but also with this episode and with us having this conversation and us posting this on our social media pages and on on our podcast i just want to stress that wiggle link is not a space for homophobia transphobia none of that carry a cunny if you bring that on our page like you will be blocked you'll be reported i don't want to see it period and with that let's go into our music segment
Okay, I'm in a really weird place with music lately because I feel like I'm in a weird transition period between my spring playlist and like trying to gear up for summer and have a summer playlist. So I haven't been listening to a lot of new stuff. Like I've been listening to the weekend um old album, the trilogy like trilogy. But anyway, that's not why we're here. Um the songs I want to recommend, the first one is called The Kiss of Venus um, by Dominic Fike and Paul McCartney. It slaps. It slaps. Love it. Um, the next one is Roots by Cautious Clay. Love Cautious Clay. His music is always so good. I think this is like a newer release um, on an album. The whole album is good as well. But this song specifically has been on my spring playlist. And then a classic um, off of the Swimming album by Mac Miller, 2009. That's been on repeat um, over the past couple of days. Love that album, love Mac Miller, but yeah. Yeah, I love that album too. I've been listening to it recently, getting back in my Mac Miller bag. Um, the first of my three songs is called Bet by Mereba, M-E-R-E-B-A. The second is a song I found the other day. The album, the whole album, I think it's like a, an EP actually. I don't know. It's like six songs, but the my favorite song is called Come Down. The artist's name is Joseph. Um, it's spelled kind of weird. J-O-E-S-E-F. Not weird, sorry, but it's spelled differently. <laughs> J-O-E-S-E-F. And my last song is Cherries by Hope Tala. She sang another song that I recommended previously, but this one sounds really different. And it features Amine. That's how you say his name. Yeah. Aminé. Aminé. Yeah. So he took Aminé. I really like it. Chill vibes. Yeah. I was going to say, um, PSA for the podcast, Lord is coming back. She is returning. I saw that she um, is performing at a like music festival, which means that she is coming. And I'm going to need that Lord album to give me everything that I need. Mm Mm-hmm. And that concludes our music segment. So thank you all for joining us this week. Follow us on our pages at Weagalink Pod on Twitter, at Weagalink Podcast on Instagram to stay updated when we post new episodes. And we'll see you in two weeks. Weagalink. Whoa, 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 whoa.